back a lacking folks how y'all been how y'all doing ben and tug and doug are all back at you it's a rare sight you have all three of us again i know it's kind of cool seems like it never happened uh last week that's cool two weeks ago now you were here no it was last monday yeah tuesday yeah, where you, you here last Tuesday? Hey, Ghost Falcon, subscribing. Love hey. to see it. Neat. Thank you for the sub. Yeah, great. That's a great way to start a podcast. I know. I it like is. that. That's a great it's way amazing. to start a podcast. If you want to start the podcast just like that, then join us on Twitch. And in the please and subscribe. <laughs> we promise we're nice. All right, guys. I don't know. We'll find out on this episode. I think the the title I mean, says it. Well, we need to figure it out. Who's got the longest beer snake? Not Jack Cone. <laughs> not DC. After they decided to start throwing the fucking things everywhere. <laughs> I wish I got. I wish I'd gotten that video in the slides. Uh, go <laughs> go. Isn't that like the one rule? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, basically, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. This is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be a mess. That we're gonna go in chronological order of the games that were played this weekend. There's only one game played on Saturday, uh, and it was not the DC game. However, they were the first game played on Sunday, uh, and we will likely spend a decent amount of time not just talking about the end of the game, but also uh, I. I'm losing faith and excitement, and is, I'm finding it harder to support uh, what the DC fans are doing, if that makes any sense to y'all. I, I do got to say, uh, just because you brought up that there was one game on Saturday, whoever is the head of the XFL scheduling department needs to be fired. It's just... I feel like some of this has got to be working around other venue requirements. Like... I think that's part of it. The other part I, has to be TV markets, but even still. I didn't mind this because you have a, a prime time or, you know, even you call it a nightcap Saturday night game, which I thought was great. And then you had the three to traditional football slots as far as, you know, what we get on Sundays for the NFL. And the last game uh, of the weekend, San Antonio at Houston, I thought one had a great crowd and I thought it, I thought it was one of the better games of the league. I would, I would put it right up there with uh, with best game of the week, even though we had two offensive explosions in the first two games of the week. You, you mean to tell me that the mecca of football showed up for a Sunday night game? Are, are we calling Houston the mecca of football? More the state of Texas. I mean. Yeah, but the state of Texas has not been showing up regularly. Just Houston. Like, Yeah, I mean, you know, we can talk about this now. The red crowds. Well, the problem, I don't know what it is. I don't think they're selling tickets in that first section that goes all the way up to the field. I saw that week one, and then week two, it's the same thing. It's the same sections. Like, they might as well put tarps over those seats because no, like, there's not even one yeah. person sitting in those sections. So, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Renegades either because they got very lucky to win that game, but we'll get there. In due time, we might as well just hop in. You guys got any problem hopping straight into the game, too? No, let's hop into the first record-setting game of the weekend. I have a big problem with it, and that's that we haven't started jumping into these games already. Let's go. 
<laughs> so this was at the time the highest scoring game XFL record 3.0. It was an XFL record with 56 total points, which absolutely crushed the over under of 37 and a half. Uh, and the winning team covered the spread too. Like there were, uh, or well, technically it was pushed. a push. They yeah, it was a push because for whatever reason, Seattle was only favored by four instead of, you know, three and a half or four and a half, like every normal spread. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. But what made this game so special and part of the reason Seattle was able to score so many points, Ben DiNucci and Josh Gordon finally got some chemistry going. All right. Josh Gordon ended up with two touchdowns and over a hundred receiving yards, including the game-winning touchdown where he basically – he caught it, got was tangled up with the receiver, and then basically backpedaled his way into the end zone. Like it, yeah. was, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I, I think another thing that helped, helped this and helped what you were just talking about there is the offensive lines have started to wake up. Um, yeah, some of them. Coming, coming in, I believe <laughs> it said that the Vipers had the highest sack rate in the NFL. They had the most sacks. And I'm like, hey, high-passing team, I'm going to take the over on one-and-a-half sacks. We'll get to the pick later, but I did not hit on that one. Um, but, yeah, defending your quarterback like that, being able to giving him time, that definitely definitely helps and helps get results like this, which is what I would argue a normal football sco- score that we're used to seeing nowadays. Well, as long as you don't look at the uh, quarter-by-quarter score. The final score right. looks, looks just Yeah, fine. no, no, no. Who cares quarter-by-quarter? Quarter? <laughs> uh, you know, we also had – this was a record that was not topped this week, so that's nice. It was the first single-game 100-yard rusher in the XFL this season, and I don't think it happened in XFL 2.0 either. Morgan Ellison for the Seattle Sea Dragons. Now, unfortunately, he – there was a play – he was – he finished the game with uh, 103 yards before this play where he got hurt. And I don't believe he ended up playing the rest of the game. Somebody needs to check me on that. Uh, but he was sitting about 108, 109. Uh, the line just could not make a hole. He st- steps back to try and find some open space, makes a cut three defenders in his face. He's running around trying to find a running lane. His knee, his leg gets caught up somehow. And the turf at, Vegas just got him, and he gets rolled up. His foot's kind of stuck in the ground. It looked bad. Um, I don't – like I said, I don't believe he got back in the game. Uh, I haven't looked into anything else. I haven't had the the chance to kind of see if there's any type of update from Morgan Ellison Have either of y'all. I haven't seen. Yeah, so first 100-yard rusher in the XFL. He was having a fantastic game. This uh, This sucked, though. This sucked to see. That's definitely brutal. It's not something you want to see, especially when someone's having such a great game. And yeah, that's that's brutal. Um, I didn't see the play, so I'm not quite sure how bad it looked. But it's never good when the turf monster gets you like that. Yeah, his last recorded stat was a rush for negative seven yards. Yep, Ooh. that was it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it looks like there's just patches of sod and turf packed down and laid down, so. I, I don't – they've got to do something about this. They're Obviously, they're going to have to finish the season out at Cashman, but this this cannot be the standard going forward. Um, Brent Hundley also had a fantastic game, and he's got to be the starter for Vegas going forward. I truly mean this. He might be the best quarterback in the league. 
unfortunately, there are still things that you need to build. You can't just come in and be that successful in any given offense as great as he looked. And I'll include this. There was 40, 50 mile per hour winds going on this game too. And both these quarterbacks Jesus. had amazing passing games. So seriously, uh, hats off. Amazing. Not amazing. I don't think it was a little like 40% completions. But as far as XFL, like yardage Four, stats go, it was pretty good. 40% completion, but it's also his first game on an offense that's been struggling anyway. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give him a good okay. game. I think you're giving him more love than he just <laughs> But okay. I don't know. No, I, he did. He was, he's definitely the best quarterback the Vipers have had so far at minimum. We can say it, that. It's going to be hard for me to stop thinking that Ben DiNucci is the best quarterback in the XFL right now. Well, so here's it's the other name thing. you can actually pronounce. So that's cool for you. The Vipers, the Vipers defense down the stretch just looked tired. Seattle's defense just looked bad. I don't know what it is. Both of these teams have got to figure out if they're going to have success this season. I, you have something in the notes here that might be very telling. Um, if Seattle's D holds well in the first half, which they are, you can see it in the stat line. Uh, and then continues to fall apart in the second half. That's that's a play calling issue. That means the defensive coordinator, the defensive play caller, is staying with what he's using that's working and not really changing it up as the teams are adjusting around him. That's the toughest part as a defensive coach is you need to not only adjust you'll like adjust as they're adjusting, you almost need to lead turn it to stop what they're gonna do next. And it seems like he's a step or two behind on that at this point. Absolutely. And like we said at the top, like 30 to 26, this was the highest scoring game of the XFL season going into it. And it, it certainly was exciting to watch, even with some of the defensive struggles. If you're, if you wanted to see good offenses, this, it wasn't that they were just getting lucky either. Like I want to make that very clear. I already mentioned uh, the game winning touchdown pass from Danucci to Josh Gordon. That was an athletic play from Josh Gordon to get the ball. And it was one of those situations where the defensive back just kind of sold out to try and deflect the pass, try and keep yep. Josh Gordon from getting the ball. If he didn't get it, he knew he had safety coverage over the top. But the way Gordon came down with it and had to move to try and get his balance threw the safety off so badly that he was able to just spin, backpedal a few steps, and then walk into the end zone. It was you, – you have to see the play, honestly. It was, it was wild. I loved it. But that takes us to our players of the game. And uh, as you can see, there are three of them, all from the Seattle Sea Dragons on the offensive side of the ball. All three guys we've already talked about. Ben DiNucci, 29 of 37 for 377 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, two fumbles, which certainly helped the Vipers stay in the game. And fumbles also helped another team win a game. We'll get there. Josh Gordon, six receptions, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. Again, game-winning touchdown. And just – he, he finally looked like the NFL star on this roster that he's been built up as that everybody's been wanting to see. And last but not least, uh, the first 100-yard rusher. He never found pay dirt, but was 17 on 17 carries and 103 yards. Morgan Ellison had a fantastic game and was shaping up to really just – have kind of the perfect plan of attack for Seattle. 
so it, it's certainly a shame. I hope he's all right. Have either of you looked up any updates on Morgan Ellison? I have not. I will here in a second. But I do got to say what's nice about these three guys here, they all set XFL records, at least XFL 2023 records. Uh, right. 377, that's the most passing uh, yards in a game. 78% completion percentage. That's the highest completion percentage of any XFL game. Oh, by the way, Ben DiNucci is sitting at a season completion percentage of 69%. Very nice. <laughs> uh, four, touched, four passing touchdowns in a game, that's a record. So Ben DiNucci alone has three records to himself, at least coming out of this game. Uh, Josh Gordon, six receptions for 118 yards. That 118 yards is going to be an XFL record. And then we already said it. Morgan Ellison was the first hundred yard hundred yard rusher, rusher. So hey, that's a record too. What a record setting performance by the Seattle offense. Yeah, so we couldn't leave off any of these guys. It's just there's there's three I, offensive players of the game. That was legitimately. So I I had meant to go back and add uh, players of the game for some of these other ones, but I could not pick between these three guys. Like obviously, El- I thought if anybody was going to get left off, it was going to be Ellison because he didn't get the touchdown. But just go back and watch some of his runs. He's um, is amazing. This, this was an offensive game, and it it was about time that people have seen this in the XFL because I feel like that's what a lot of people have been waiting for. Absolutely. On the defensive side of the ball, Vegas defensive back Deontay Anderson had an excellent game for himself as well. So if you were I a feel defensive so guy, bad. I feel so bad for this guy. This was the best picture I could find of him. Is, is straight up his back. Nothing else. It is. It's tough because I I like this better than using just the XFL sock photo, man. Like this right. is. It, it, it but it's a given. It makes it difficult. Unfortunately, it's a given. It it's better than the one dude we have a CFL photo of. That is true. That's that's coming. <laughs> Woo. Five solo tackles, nine total, and one forced fumble. This guy was all over the field. And like I said, this was an offensive explosion, but it was not because defenses weren't playing. The offenses finally just started to figure it out and everything was clicking for him. So this was. I actually think two different defensive backs for the Vipers could have been in conversation for this, which is crazy considering how many passing yards they gave up. But really, I put. Most of that on the defensive line. I don't think the they got front seven no pressure showed up. Yeah, and these defensive backs played pretty well with what they had. Unfortunately, not enough for the Vipers. I I was gonna say like when you're looking at this five solo tackles for a defensive back, that is a very busy game. You do not right. want them. That's a problem. Yeah, and, <laughs> and nine nine total. Like, no, that, I'm sorry. That's a very busy game. Your your defensive back should not be your leading tacklers. You should also have yes. more than one sack in this league. Like, I'm sorry. There there should be two to three sacks. Like these. That's these, why these I took the over. We have three sacks between us. So, <laughs> all 11 guys on the Vipers can come on. Oh, my goodness. They only have one sack, and it's Deontay Anderson. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I wish, I wish he was the one sack in this game. That, oh, dude, oh, that would have solidified everything. That does it for this game, though. We got three more to go. So let's move on to Sunday uh, to open the morning up. This was after getting to watch F1 and see the first American on the grid in, since, what, 2015? 
First American uh, since 2015, first full-time American this season since like 2006. Yeah. That's I mean, I was I was pissing red, white and blue. The doctor says it's something else, but I think it's just pure patriotism that was spurred on from that. <laughs> and then there was some fantastic football going on. Uh but before the game even started, you know, there was some controversy about the beer snake and uh the defender said, "Nope. Beer snake's free, but here's our code of conduct for it." There's one in... real rule here. There's one real rule. Yeah, only permitted in two sections, and no cups may be thrown from within the section or from outside the section to join the beer snake. The cups from the beer snake must be properly disposed of in the stadium receptacle at the conclusion of the game. Any throwing of cups or other projectile objects within the seated area or onto the field of play are grounds for ejection. Uh, and yeah, remember, drink responsibly. So I do yeah, want to I'm highlight good. this too. We we skipped over this. They said you couldn't throw the cups there, but they even then went as far to say is if you want to get your cup over there, we will have workers, stadium workers in uniform that will take it for you. There was one real rule here of do not throw cups. Yeah, it, uh, we'll get there. This game's very, very competitive. It was 14-14 at the half. Unfortunately, St. Louis ran out of magic and was not able to finish the comeback this time. They lose this one 28 to 34, being outscored 18 or excuse me, 20 to 14 in the second half. Uh, you know exactly the over... what happened though, actually, the reason they couldn't come back. They stopped Austin running off Troll control. only had 12 yards. That's another saying. miss for me. Damn it. Uh the over this, of course, is more points than was scored in the previous game. So we have a new highest point game uh, in the XFL, which I had. I wrote the I wrote all the notes about the highest game and all this other stuff for the Seattle Vegas game that night, and I said I literally put highest scoring game of the season thus far, knowing that this game had the potential to beat it. Oh, yeah. I could not be more excited to see that actually happen. It was uh, crazy too because. Really, every drive in this game was a long drive. I think DC had, what, three, their first three touchdowns were all like 12 play drives. This was actually some They, good they had one game. touchdown that was a pick six. No, St. Louis had a touchdown that was a pick six, I thought. Was it St. Louis? Uh, let me look it up. Let me look it up. Hold on. Are you talking yeah. about who threw the ball or who caught the the interception? AJ McCarron uh, threw, and it was a pick six. Yeah, okay. Yep. Which that was honestly, okay. that was AJ McCarron's biggest crime in this game was that he turned the ball over yes. twice because he also had four touchdowns, two hundred sixty-two yards. Clearly, he's not our player of the game. Right. <laughs> he didn't set any records with that. No. Uh, no, I gotta I, say the the way this game. Ended the whole like fourth quarter was just wild, and not even because that's where all the scoring happened. Like there was scoring all throughout the game. Yeah, but the last I don't know thirty seconds of the game was the most intense football action we've had since maybe the last couple minutes of Ohio State Georgia. Like <laughs> legitimately, football has not been played at that level for a while now, huh. and. 
tempers were flying. There were three ejections in the last 30 seconds. So, (laughs) you love to see it. (laughs) The announcers did not love to see it, which made it funnier to me. (laughs) They were like, come on, guys. How can we end a great game on such a bad note? And I'm like, this is hilarious. Look, all I'm saying is hockey does it all the time, and everyone watches hockey for it. (laughs) Oh, man. It is it is a plus of hockey. It's just, I mean, let's just, let's break down what happened uh, in the last thirty seconds. So, with twenty eight seconds left in the game, Adrian McCarron is picked off inside the DC uh, like five yeah. yard line, and really he was he's picked off in the end zone. It looks like. Uh, DC returns it to the one. Instead of taking a knee, they get out of the end zone, and now Jordan Tomlin has to start from the one yard line. Good he decision. I like it. The ball. It's then AJ McCarron and the Battlehawks once again from the two yard line this time. He just completes a short pass, touchdown. They get the two point conversion. Then they go for the fourth down, uh, fourth and 15 conversion uh, instead of you know the onside kick substitute here. McCarron is sacked for a loss of seven yards, and that is the, the ball game. Fourth and fifteen try. That was that was amazing. You That's kind from... of the the extreme worst option on that onside kick replacement theory, right? <laughs> Instead of getting it at just like a normal onside kick down a distance, now if you don't get it, uh, no, your quarterback got sacked. So there was a hit on your quarterback, and you give the other team like incredible field position. But DC was up by enough, and there was no time left, so they just you know got four penalties. That's all. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is you go from a quarterback looking to buy his offensive line steak dinners to uh, making them eat out of the pig trough on the way home. Like, what a bad turn of events there on the fourth and fifteen. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely insane. This was, this was, this was honestly a, a fun thing to see. This was a great game, but it is, it is absolutely, it's hard to stay behind this. Even the, uh, I'm trying to find it, see if I can share it here. The Beer Snake Twitter account. Yes, the Beer Snake <laughs> yeah. has a Twitter account. I as yes, it, it should. Does. Uh, it was even calling out the fans like, we have to be better. We have to be better. Here we go. I found the account. Good. Working on Do it. Do we have the picture of the beer snake being thrown into the air, though? Because I, I don't have that one. Uh, I have it being carried out of the... I have it being carried out of the uh, stadium. Oh, hey, here's a that's video. That's not what I was asking for. But okay. <laughs> Did we just leave it intact and take it out of the stadium? Uh, yeah. Well, that's what we would do if we were in Knoxville, and then we would throw it into the lake in the river. Uh, yes, as as with all field goal posts. Yes, they belong in the river. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the video. There was one rule. 
Why? <laughs> Actually, there were five. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and as you can see, we can't do this. Oh, the passion, we have to be better. I mean, there's there's a lot of great things about the beer snake, and I love how it brings people together. It's absolutely a part of the DC Defenders. But yeah, I mean, there's... Come on, let's let's use our brains. This is awesome. I love this. I love right. the, the tradition of carrying it out of the field. This is something they did. This is actually... Uh, this is actually from 2020. This is from the last, uh, the last XFL. DC, it's it's oh okay from the last XFL. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say it was time for the DC fans to let the Redskins go. It's just not a thing anymore. No, no, this was this was from the last last XFL. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's, I don't know. I don't I don't have a lot to say about this. A lot more to say. I didn't get to see this game. Uh, I mean, it's it it's ridiculous because when you start throwing it like that, that's when they take it away. That's why a lot of these stadiums don't allow it anymore, unless you're in Ireland. Um, that's why, yeah, you, you have these good things, and then somebody does something stupid, and now we don't have great things anymore. It's, I'm with you. They need to be better. the world. That's how it works. Group punishment anyway. has never worked. Let's go on to the players of the game. Because surprisingly, we have a St. Louis receiver on here. And it's not Austin Prohl. Which, which by the way, probably why they lost. Which, by the way, if he wants to come on the podcast, he's welcome anytime. Well, Austin Prohl, if you're listening or find this podcast somehow, please get in contact with us. <laughs> But Hakeem Butler did have a good game, over 100 yards uh, on eight catches. He did have a touchdown as well. Probably the best individual offensive player in this game. DC spread it out too much for there to be any individual standout performance. And maybe that's part of St. Louis's problem. They became a little bit one-dimensional at some point. And even still, they were very close in this game. And... Really, without that interception at the end, I uh, think they probably would have won it. Yeah. This is, uh, this is a very good team in St. Louis. I mean, the energy that this game had, Doug, I can't tell you how excited I am for two weeks from now. <laughs> I cannot tell you how excited I am to be there and say, in the dome, I... If the stadium is packed, there's two ways that you can look at this. Not, not, I'm not talking about in two weeks. I'm talking about this coming up week because St. Louis is finally going to be at home in week four. Mm -hmm. If they pack the dome, there's two ways you can look at it. One, they packed it up because they're 2-1-1, and one, very well could be 3-0, and oh, right? Yep. They opened up the third deck after the second win, 2-0. and oh, This team's comeback had two amazing comebacks, opened up the third deck because they're such high demand. But if this place is packed and you're telling me that not only are you not having your championship game there, but you didn't you didn't open the season there. Oh, man. Uh, you know, they, again, to Tug's point, XFL scheduler needs to be you mean to tell me evaluated. <laughs> you mean to tell me that in a ten week 
in a 10-week season, you can't manage to make sure that some teams, all teams have played a home game by the end of week three. Come on now. It's just on. Come on. This was the second home game for the Defenders, the Vipers, the Renegades, and the Roughnecks. Yeah. But it does mean that Bug and I get to go to D.C. at St. Louis on St. Patrick's Day weekend. So it's going to be a great time. Oh, it's a, <laughs> absolutely. It's a re-attack of this game, too. I like it. Yes. yes. We, uh, defensive player of this game. Trying to keep us on schedule here. Uh, I'm just giving it to the entire D.C. secondary. To an extent. I, I guess if we want to pick an individual one guy, let's pick the guy in the very front of that picture there, number 29. Uh, Kentrell Bryce did have that game-winning interception which has a little bit of asterisk because Jordan Tomu did fumble immediately, <laughs> but it still felt like a knee the ball. Swinger. Knee the ball. If he, that's the problem. He had to move. It was like the Tom Brady when he got his thousandth rushing yard and then went up the uh, center's ass. So he didn't lose yardage on the knee in the victory formation. Yeah. He had to do that because otherwise it would have been a safety. And then you just give the ball right back. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Kentrell oh, Bryce kind of. So I still call it. I'll, I'll call it a game-winning interception for him. Why not? It feels good. <laughs> but no, I think the a couple of the defensive backs here. The same thing I said with Vegas. When you have all of your defensive backs being the best players on your defense, that's probably a little bit of an issue. At the same time, you know, they did play very well. And at least in this case, the one with the good defensive backs won the game. So that's cool. <laughs> I got to say, I enjoy that we're going from a game where one team almost beat the spread on their own to our next game. Which got yeah. nowhere near the spread. Man, yeah. uh, to call this one a defensive battle would be just completely false. Uh, I wouldn't say completely false. The defense definitely kept the Renegades in this game and eventually led to them winning. 10-9 to over the Guardians, the 0-3 Guardians. Uh, way under 37, and Orlando did not cover, or Orlando beat the eight-point spread. So they only lost by one. Uh, this, was, this was a game. It certainly happened. Look, it was different, though. All right, we've been—it's been a story all year that Orlando can't get out of their own way. But this game was a lot different in the sense that it wasn't penalties. It wasn't uh, that they weren't able to move the ball. As a matter of fact, the offense, by and large, looked very, very good this week, mm-hmm. except for one player in particular. And I'm so glad it wasn't Paxton Lynch, which yeah. I'll get back to him in a second. Uh, it was Jermaine Martin who had two fumbles on back-to-back drives that really cost the Guardians down the stretch. They looked like they were work- the offense was working really well. They had a lot of additions, uh, both on the offensive line and at receiver, one of those guys being Xavion Furcron, the standout from SIU who didn't even play center in college, but did a fine job at center for the Guardians this week. They also made the adjustment. They're like, hey – you know, we're not going to uh, we're not going to do the whole two quarterback thing. We're going to let Paxton Lynch stay in 
and figure his shit out. And he had a fine game. Could it have been better? Absolutely. But he had a fine game. He started. I started to see the same guy that I saw when I was at Memphis, right? 19 to 31, absolutely needs to be worked on. 219 yards, not bad. Uh, and then seven and a half uh, on the average. And he would rush for the sole touchdown for the Guardians this game. At halftime, the Guardians were absolutely dominating every statistic except for, obviously, turnovers. Uh, and the and game was tied 3-3. Yeah, and the yeah, score. the game was tied 3-3. Yeah. It was uh, – it's just mind-boggling how they lost this one. I will say, though, uh, I think the Renegades have found somebody to actually play quarterback instead of Drew Plitt. Kyle Slaughter looked amazing in comparison. And, honestly, he didn't have to throw a ton because this just wasn't that type of game for the Renegades for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't really don't understand – why Arlington still gets all of the love when it comes to the spread and stuff like that. I think this might have been a little bit more Guardians hate than Arlington love anymore. I think but so. still to give this an eight point spread. Yeah, I, is I would give this an eight point spread if it were DC, Houston, St. Louis. St. Louis. That's those are eight right. point spread games against the Guardians. Arlington, which really hasn't shown much offensively, like most of their points have been coming from the defense. Everybody well, just loves Bob Stoops. And that's the other thing that just blows my mind. Even with Slaughter looking much, much better, like 18 to 23 is great. Only 124 yards, but a, a decent average, 5.4 there with a touchdown. Right. Uh, like this offense, nothing about it impressed me. Nothing impressed me about it, and I just I don't right. I can't put my finger on what it was. I don't think that uh, Orlando played specific, you know absolutely amazing defense. I don't think like it was obviously much better than it has been. They were able to keep this one very competitive. I just I I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I do want to point out here too, and this kind of leads into our players of the game here. Down the stretch, the Guardians had a chance to win it. Uh, they get, they do shoot themselves on the foot a bit. It, a, it, a third and eight turns into a third and 13 from their own 22. But two plays in a row, Paxton Lynch appears to have bailed his team out with a deep pass. The first one uh, to Lenore is just too much for him to handle. And going to the ground, Lance Lenore bobbles the ball and the ground helps him secure it. Incomplete pass. There was a injury on the play. Uh, for the Renegades that allowed the booth extra time to look at it from all sorts of angles. And I think they probably would have anyway. Uh, but they had extra time to look at this, and Dean Blandino says, yep, the ground abs- absolutely aided in the catch of this. This is an incomplete pass, uh, fourth down. On fourth down, Paxton Lynch has another amazing throw uh, to Charleston, Lam- Charleston Rambo. The problem is he led him out of bounds about a, a step too far. I know. About Jesus a step Rambo too far. Went to, went to Miami. He made – he. here's the thing. They went and reviewed this one too, as they should. He had his foot down the second the ball hit his hand, but not as he controlled it. As he controlled it, his both feet were off the ground. He was falling out of bounds. Paxton Lynch visibly upset over this. 
it's an incomplete pass, and it was a great pass by him. It was a great effort from Rambo. They did everything they possibly could, just came up short. And I, from watching that game, watching those two plays and how that drive had kind of gone, I got the feeling that if they were able to get that first down, they were at least going to get the field goal range, and we might be, you know, talking about the Guardians' first win here. Uh, so it, it is something I didn't think we were going to say this season. We we I, might have seen a, a jump in the the BDT or not? Yeah, the BDT XFL ratings. Doug's maybe. XFL ratings. Maybe. I would I would have to go through and see who all was added on this team. I think Rambo and Lenore are both new players to the team. Like I mentioned, Fur Crown was there were a lot of additions to this team that helped improve, and it showed that it improved this team significantly, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and they did announce, I believe today, they are still looking to add another quarterback to the room. And I don't know what the, how, what that's really going to do. I think you have your guy in Paxton Lynch based off this. I, I want to keep as much of my fandom out of this as well, but I absolutely think Paxton Lynch has to be the guy going forward too. That He's not the reason they lost this game. He took four sacks for a significant amount of yards. It's there was sacks. And there was one play where the offensive line absolutely, like, did, like nobody got touched. There were three dudes in his face as soon as the ball was snapped. Was it a screen? Did they think it was a screen? I have no I think it was supposed to be a fucking handoff. Imagine what? having three sacks in your face. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but that's that's going to take, us... <laughs> take us to our players of the game. Oh, there he is. Uh, offensive player of the game, we already mentioned it. Paxton Lynch had a fantastic game. I did not pick this offensive player of the game. This is where I would have gone for the record. Uh, but Doug backs me up here. He agrees completely. Yep. Uh, we already talked about his stats. His one, uh, his one touchdown was a rushing touchdown. Uh, ten touch or ten rushes for forty-three yards. It was a beautiful quarterback draw. And again, just this is vintage. This is University of Memphis Paxton Lynch that I remember seeing play. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, with Darnell Sankey, five Ooh, solo. There is no picture of anywhere in the world him in an Arlington Renegades uniform. This is him in the CFL with Saskatchewan. Uh, the Rough Riders. They are still playing football. That is him in a football uniform. This definitely <laughs> yeah, but it's 12-man football, so is it really football? Apparently it was XFL, the first football. XFL could go to 12 people on the field if they wanted to. Why not? Because Fuck they're it. trying to seed. CFL does okay for itself. Isn't it the oldest, uh, yeah, oldest uh, sports league? Wasn't it just about to shut down? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I went with Darnell Sankey here. I think the combination of the eight tackles, two of them for a loss, was pretty big. Uh, did have half of a sack. Which is really weird because I at least have one full sack. So well, Lance Armstrong shit going on there. Exactly. Full, full Lance Armstrong mode here with half a sack. There is definitely an argument for Will Hill with two more tackles. One fewer tackle for loss. I don't know. Felt like giving us a little linebacker. Uh, 
kind of an argument for Donald Payne as well with that fumble recovery. Mm-hmm. But I think Darnell Sankey just watching a game, he was the guy I noticed more, I guess. And maybe that's my clear and obvious bias towards linebackers, <laughs> which I definitely have. I You'll know. hear it on Thursdays in our draft show. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, Doug has man crushes on late round linebackers. And running backs. And running backs. <laughs> that is, though, going to take us to the last game of the weekend. The second battle of Texas. Uh, it was San Antonio against Houston this time. And Houston would remain 3-0. and Spoiler alert. Houston wins this game 22-13. to uh, The over-under was 36, math and public. The under hits, uh, and Houston would cover the spread of four and a half. Now, yeah, it really did not look like the under was going to hit. And no. then the fourth quarter got shut down and shut out. Yeah, this was, this was a tale of two halves. I mean, there were some people, uh, there was a guy in our uh, fantasy group or our fantasy league, though, saying, you know, I really think that even though San Antonio lost to uh, lost to St. Louis, that they're the best team in the league. And he completely changed his tune by halftime because they looked horrific. I mean, both teams came out and scored yeah. on their opening drives. That's great. Uh, but then Houston it was 22 to 7 and a half. Yeah, Houston completely shut down San Antonio. Uh, the problem is it was 22 to seven and a half and Houston only scored 22 points. Uh, I don't know what got into the Brahmas, but Jack Cohn finally started to play like he played last week, looked good for a drive and a half. And it resulted in about six points or it resulted in exactly six points. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> in the fourth quarter here, Jack Cohn was horrendous. 98% of this game. There yeah. were like three plays he's thrown together where Bugs praised him. He went eight for 20 for 64 yards. That oh, my was God. Not a good game for Jack Cohn. Those are, those are his Notre Dame numbers. Those are his Wisconsin numbers. Those are put tug back at quarterback numbers. Yeah, I can get uh, more than 64 even, yards. Chuck it up. Can't even see what he's doing. Probably do hey. better than that. Fuck hey. it, somebody's there. Facts. <laughs> Man, it was it was not a good offensive day for them. Uh, also, scary moment in this one as well. Max Borgi, who I think is the most exciting running back to to watch in this league, despite the fact he doesn't have the numbers like Morgan Ellison. Uh, he went down and kind of like was, Caleb Milaj. Yeah, yet again. This this was a great game for. Uh, this was a great game for running back, honestly. Uh, but he went down, and I thought we were going to see our second knee injury of the weekend. We didn't. He was able to come back in the game and continue on. Uh, I'm not just making this comparison because he's a short white dude with blonde hair. His game does legitimately remind me a lot of Christian McCaffrey, just the way he moves on the field and how how Houston is utilizing him in this offense. And it's it's awesome to see this in action. Yeah, just like not as good. As yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that I got worried too when he got when he went down. I was like, oh man, he is exactly like Christian McCaffrey. He's hurt. <laughs> Dollar discount Christian McCaffrey. It happened. <laughs> exactly. Uh Take the, but, look at the family dollar. But uh, Brandon Silvers is gonna be our offensive player of the league. We are gonna or player of the game. Not of the week. Yeah. Uh player of the game. He was 24 for 35 for 278 and three touchdowns, one interception. I got to say, too, Cole McDonald saw some time because Houston has a two-quarterback system that makes sense. He goes in for specific sets, specific plays. I don't think McDonald had a pass attempt this week. He did, and he completed it for three yards. Good for him. He also ran the ball seven times. XFL record. Completion percentage. <laughs> he is the perfect quarterback. <laughs> He'd be the perfect quarterback if he still had the dreads. <laughs> Has yeah. not missed a pass in professional football. He can put it on his res- resume, man. No, he was over two last week. I'm Damn sorry. it. I can put that on my resume. <laughs> I have not missed a pass in professional football. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, Brandon Silvers is, again, I fall in love with mediocre, potential, probable UDFA guys all the time. But Brandon Silvers was a quarterback that I really liked coming out of Troy. <laughs> so it's nice to see him doing well. Uh, I, clearly not in the NFL, but, you know, he's, he's doing pretty good. I would not be upset at all. If this guy ended up as like this, is how much I like him. If he ended up as the backup quarterback for Chicago, I wouldn't be upset at all. I know exactly what I'm getting. If you would be okay with him backing up Justin Fields in Chicago, yeah, I I know exactly what I'm getting. I know exactly what to expect. And one thing that continues to stand out to me is just how calm he is under pressure. There are several times last week and this week where the line is collapsing or the pocket's collapsing around him. There's three dudes in his face. And he just puts the ball where it needs to be. If he, if there's, I don't think he's throwing an interception in one of those cases. Maybe he did and it got called back, but he's not reckless with the ball in those scenarios. Like he, he does his job and it's, is he an NFL quarterback? I don't think so, but I, I don't think anybody should be upset to, if they hear that he's going to be the backup for their team this season. And then if you're watching us, either live on Twitch or later on YouTube, you might have noticed, hey, this is the players of the game slide. Why is there a picture of an entire whole-ass formation? Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. There was a goal line stand in this game like you wouldn't freaking believe. They, All right. I got to lay out this whole picture because the drive should never have happened in the first place. San Antonio got all the way down the field on like three huge penalties on the defensive backs. <laughs> uh, there was an unnecessary nope. roughness. There was a pass interference. I, I feel like there was something else too. Anyway, they only had like three really good plays. And then there were a couple of penalties that took them all the way down to the two yard line, including that, you know, that pass interference in the end zone spot the ball in the two. For some reason, San Antonio decides it is the correct idea in this situation 
to just run it up the middle four times in a row. And Houston, at the end of this goal line stand, not only did San Antonio not score a touchdown, uh, Houston has room to work with here. They are no longer on the goal line. They drove San Antonio back like eight yards in total over the course of this four plays. The entire defensive line is my defensive player of the game for this one. Uh, if you want to be specific, I guess we can look at Glenn Logan Logan there, number 97, over the right guard. Uh, I don't even know if I want to do that, though. I kind of want to give it to all four of them because this was just amazing. You know what I'm maybe, really... Maybe defensive player of the game is that left tackle, number 77. Oof. <laughs> You, you know what I'm really not keen to do? Try to run it up the middle against a Wade Phillips coach defensive line. Right. Like, Heinz right. Ward has seen Wade Phillips coach defenses. He's played against them. Why are you trying to do this? Or at least not trying anything different. Just the that, same exact play four times the, in a row. If, if you want to try it up the middle once and you don't go anywhere, it's just kind of a dead stop. Okay, try again. The right. third and fourth play, or anytime you're driven back, you need to change the play call. Yeah, that goal line stand was just incredible. I I love those times though. I love goal oh, line man. stand. It was it was a great week of XFL football. It really was. And hey, if you have the XFL app, I know we've dogged it a bit on this show. Uh, Rightfully but so, it's still it, ass. it does deserve it, but they do have something pretty fun in there, and it's a pick'em league. Now, let me. This gonna this gonna be a little awkward because I didn't prepare this uh, prior to. But if I go in here, I can kind of tell you what the uh, what the thing what the picks for this week were. Now, in previous weeks, one of them, like last week, for example, will Texas teams have over or under one and a half wins this week? So basically, I was asking you. Do you think San Antonio is going to beat Orlando? Well, yes, of course I did because you know, somebody had to win in the in the Houston uh, Houston Arlington game, so it was really asking one game. Uh, See, so we have a comment here while I'm talking about this. Can anyone join the Pick and League? Absolutely, I'll get the uh, information there. Uh, and really, if you if you join our uh, if you join our Discord, the link's scrolling across the bottom. Join our Discord. You should be able to join. Uh, you should be able to get instructions to join there as well. Let me actually get the uh, the Discord link in the chat for us here as well. So, uh, the picks for this week: Seattle Ben DiNucci over under two hundred and twenty five and a half passing yards. Of course, did anyone in the world take the under on that anyway? That's, I did. Yeah, I took the over. I was like, there's there's no way there's no way someone's taking the under in this one. There's no right. shot, right? Uh, I next... didn't really think about how to allocate my wager points. And so I like overloaded this one and had almost nothing to work with for the rest of the time. That's what I should have done too. <laughs> I, I mean that would have worked out for you. It worked like... pretty good. <laughs> I looked through all these and I was like, that's that's a good one. But I also don't have a ton of faith in Seattle's offensive line. So the next one That's was true. Vegas records over under one and a half sacks. I've complained about that all show. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately the under hit. I uh, kind of expected that. Sack. 
I don't know why. I just I felt like Seattle was going to put it together on offense, and I the underrated aspect of Ben DiNucci's game is his ability to escape pressure. Like it's not world class. He's not going to be an all pro at that, but as far as traditional pocket passing quarterbacks go, he is pretty elusive. Absolutely. And then the next one, this one hurts too. Austin Prohl over under three and a half receptions. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know what happened. Uh, another one where I couldn't smash the over fast enough. DC rushing for over 110 and a half yards. Had to take the over. Who, who was taking the under there? Uh, another easy one for me after watching this Arlington team, which granted Kyle Slaughter coming in changed it up a little bit. I was right. I was a little nervous, but uh, tight end Sal Canella over under four and a half catches over hits there. My quarterback change is why I took the over, but I only wagered like the minimum amount of points on that, so it didn't hurt me. <laughs> I my lowest my second lowest bet was uh, Orlando running back Jamaine Martin uh, over for, or under forty and a half rushing yards. Here's the thing: uh, after the two fumbles, I don't remember seeing him in the game again. He, right. I believe, one of them was on a run, and another one was on a pass. I mean, a great pass out in the flat. He turns up field and then loses the ball immediately. Like, yeah, I'm. He he looks like he's got potential and promise, but. Not I'm gonna be real. I didn't recognize the name Alfred, and so I took the under because of that. <laughs> I just took like, the under because at some point. it's Orlando. <laughs> also valid, which is gonna mess with me because I think after this game I've got to reevaluate my opinion of them. Uh, quarterbacks: Jack Cohn and Brandon Silvers over under three and a half touchdowns. I thought Brandon Silvers would cover this on his own. Me too, uh, and we got real lucky with that Jack Cohen rushing touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sweating that out a little bit. And then last but not least. You no, know, not, Cameron... not rushing touchdown. Jack Cohen had a passing touchdown. He had a passing touchdown, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, San Antonio running back Kalen Bellage over under 50 and a half rushing yards. I don't know why I took the under when that's been San either, Antonio's game. But I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know what I was thinking there. Just vibes. Just the There's, Actually, legitimately, I did think I'm not going to take any individual player over 50 yards uh, to rush for over 50 yards against Houston. So if we have that question again, for any running back, I don't care if it is you know, our 100-yard rusher now, Morgan Ellison. If he's going against Houston, I'm not going to take him to get over 50 yeah. yards. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I but, gotta say, my biggest bet this week, or my biggest wager, I guess you could say, was Austin Pearl. I had seventy five on him, so that that one really hurt. I had I had eighty on him. That yeah. was my highest bet as well. Yeah, I put seventy five on Ben DiNucci, but eighty on Austin Pearl is Ben DiNucci. Uh, I'm so mad because I only missed. I missed <laughs> my. Uh, so so here's the other thing. Okay, well, let's just show it here. Here's where our standings are for the hosts in our league thus far. Uh, Doug is in the league because he got 480 with his parlay. I've been doing this since the start of the season and have yet to hit a parlay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sitting yeah, here with 390. 
Yeah. I want to know what I put in my parlay. Yes. Yeah. Ben DiNucci. Yep. Vegas under one and a half sacks. Uh, Jermaine Martin under 40 and a half rushing yards and Kalen Balaj under 50. Again, if they ask if there's going to be an individual player with fewer than 50, over under 50 yards against Houston, I'm going to take the under. I think Houston's front seven is that good. See, here's the thing. I missed my uh, – Tug and I missed our parlays. I'm sitting at 390. Tug's sitting at 360. I had Danucci, Vegas, which I got wrong, D.C., Arlington, Sal Canella, Orlando running back Jermaine Martin, and then Kalen Mouage. So it's not like I missed it by a ton. I missed it by two, and it, it hurts so bad that I just – like first night I knew I missed it. Yeah, but if you would have, if you would have hit all that, you'd been way in the lead because yeah. I only took four in my parlay, which is, <laughs> and I, that's normally what I do in my parlays uh, on the, the previous two weeks. But I felt really good about all these. I, there wasn't a single one where I was sitting there like, man, what what do I think is really going to happen here? I only took three because I was trying to figure it out. Well, you, you clearly still didn't missed. figure it out just yet. And so. I still missed. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're learning, That's okay? Right. We're learning. Hey, it's a, it's the a way, process. The way this works, though, you guys could definitely both be ahead of me next week very easily. So, yeah. it's, just, <laughs> like, just like in the last two minutes of the XFL. Just right. like Ben in bowl season. Absolutely. That is, <laughs> it it is every year, yes. Inevitable. <laughs> All right, what is uh, what is our week three bug? Oh god! All right, so we're a podcast. We're not the wow. live broadcast. What a podcast! What a podcast indeed. Uh, but can the announcers Pure please podcast. stop? Can the announcers please stop talking about the betting odds every second of the game? It's it's getting kind of old. I would I would have less of an issue if they were talking about what we just talked about. They'll pick them on the app. And talking about how those thing, like how those two uh, props are going during the game, and trying to get people to go to the app. But I think the reason they aren't is because the app overall is in such a it's shit so state bad. right now. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think if we see the app improve, maybe they'll start shifting some of these conversations that direction. But right now, it is. Like I didn't have a problem with it until this week. I started paying a little more attention. They are really cramming down everybody's throat. Hey, the over under is changing. Hey, this is what's going on. Blah blah. blah. Like the the XFL on, or the TV um, broadcasts have to be getting a kickback with the amount that they're pushing the betting odds. Like they have to be getting a kickback. Some sort <sighs> of contract. Somebody, somebody mentioned something like it's like. He's like, somebody was saying they're absolutely disgusted that they had a betting expert on the first game in Vegas. And I was like, I'm actually okay with that. First yeah, of all, that, that makes sense. And second right. of all, like they were asked, they were asking legitimate questions. Like how, how do you guys, and this was the, actually, this was this week. They're like, how have you and the other odds makers been able to kind of gauge this league? Like what, what has been your thought process? And especially week one, when nobody knew anything about these teams, like, how did you guys come up with what you've come up with? And he kind of talked through all that. And I thought that was great. I really didn't have an issue with that. But 
using the betting odds as a main talking point of your broadcast, I, yeah, that I have an okay. issue with. Yeah. It, was, it really took away from Houston, San Antonio at the end, too, because all they kept talking about was, well, over. We, we looked like we were going to hit the over. You started looking at this at halftime or whatever. But yeah. it's definitely going to hit the under now. You know, just miss the over. You know, just miss that over. You're going to stay just under that, that line. The entire fucking second half. It was... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, second of all, there's kind of a mix of college and NFL rules in this league, plus some of, some original rules. Um, They need to get rid of the NFL PI rule. They need to use the college PI rule. Like, this is... That... <laughs> The the San Antonio Houston game was absolutely all the that's all you need to look at. Right. I see you about to speak, Doug, and you're not allowed to have an opinion on this as a referee. So no, continue, no, 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 no. This is as a fan. Continue, this bug. A, continue, bug. Continue, this bug. This is a fan bug, bug, viewpoint. Bug, bug. What do you got, bug? <laughs> Tug, no, would you like no, to speak? Seriously. Yes, I would. All right. So so the... so Tug's wrong. <laughs> All right, All right, I'm just going to disagree with you because the reason I like the NFL rule on it, and this is as a fan, right, is if you tell me that I will only get 15 yards if I PI you, no matter how far down the field you are, I'm going to PI you every time it's deep and I don't think I can make the play. That's the problem, though, is it wasn't I, – I, I get I get your thought process here. None of these were egregious, and some of them were very questionable. There was a ball that was thrown into the fucking first row, and they called P.I. on it. Like, that's not catchable. Okay, I'll be the first to tell you I hate referees that are bad. Here's the first thing I'll tell you. I hate referees. I know. (laughs) How does it feel to have a best friend that's a referee? I fucking hate it. Here's, Here's the other thing we need to consider to counter your point giving up 15 yards is a bad thing. And so if you're about to... Yeah, but it's not as bad 30, as giving up a touchdown. It, eh. The the line between actually giving up a touchdown and straight up tackling a dude before the ball gets there is a pretty thick line. I mean, you can... There are some things you can do in between P.I. Okay. and letting up a touchdown. I... I... I didn't straight up say I'd tackle him. I said I would interfere with him. Yeah, but That's your a definition good of interference no, it's is not. bad in the first place. So. Jesus the next thing on this list is yeah. multiple times this week, the camera was either, they were either showing a replay or they were on the booth while a play was going on. Is that not and, when you're supposed to be with the cameras? They're not watching the game. It's ridiculous. Nobody else is either. We're talking about betting odds. Come on. Is I mean, how how are we going to watch a replay to then have to watch a replay of the play that was happening while we were watching the first replay? <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> uh, next up, <clears throat> uh, we're going to shift now to the ugly, the Vegas field, man. I. It's kind of surprising that it didn't cause an injury last week. Uh, this week, this week it did, and that's not good. Yeah. And 
there's better facilities in Vegas that could be used for football, that could be used for the XFL. And I'm sure there's other commitments. The Roomba probably doesn't have the availability the XFL wanted, or maybe they didn't want to give it to them. There's got, there has to be something better than what they have right now. This is, this is not good. Look, the attendance just... at Cashman is consistent, though. It was about 50 to 100 off of what it was uh, last week. Cashman attendance is fine. Has, has the XFL contacted the Sodfather about this? He has opinions on grass. Yeah, like the grass at the Super Bowl was overwatered, and that's what the issue was. My man is 94 years old, and the NFL didn't listen to him. And he said, you know what? Fine, I'm done. Yep. I, I love it. The same thing. Yeah. Uh, so now the XML can hire him. Hold up a second. Before I go on to the rest of this, uh, Doug, you have to say something nice about Tug. Somebody uh, has redeemed. Say something nice about your rival. <laughs> um, I don't consider Tug to be my rival. How's that? Okay, then say something good, nice about Michigan. Ooh. No, Tug is a <laughs> is a very <laughs> no no Tug is uh Tug's a great dude. Tug is a very nice person. No, and... Notice how he wouldn't say Tug is a good ref. There are no good refs like lawyers <laughs> and social workers. Next up, uh, in all the those ugly jokes about. All those jokes about lawyers going to hell and stuff. I just mentally replace lawyers with referees. And, uh, and by proxy, because I'm interested in both those things, you also replace both of those things with my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, these two kind of go hand in hand. We have the ejections and uh, breaking of the beer snake rules. Beer snake is sacred. It's something we should all enjoy and should be allowed to enjoy. And you know what other rules are sacred? Not punching people while you're playing football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm all for emotion. I'm all for I'm all for getting into the game. I'm all for the intensity of the game, both from the players and the fans. Uh, but that that's a little too much in DC. And I think uh, I think the fans are contributing to a lot of like I think the team's absolutely feeding off this, and this is not to to say the fans are wholly at fault, right? These are still adults playing a game on a field and they should be able to control themselves. And this goes for both sides. Uh, but something about the DC environment is making this uh, almost, almost, I'm not going to say it is yet, but almost dangerous and could potentially begin to make a mockery of the game of football if we're not too careful here. What's more dangerous, games at the DC Defenders or games at FedEx Field? Uh, probably the concrete ring at the dome. So we'll see how this all goes next week <laughs> in St. Louis. True, true. Uh, but the good, which we love, ended on a good note, which is why we don't do good, bad, and ugly. We do the bug. Uh, the offenses across the league came to life, except for Dallas. I think it's fair to say they're the only one. Yeah, in Orlando. <laughs> Orlando did. They just have a real shitty running back who can't hold on to the fucking football. So they have an irregular heartbeat, but they are living. <laughs> I, I don't want to completely rehash this. It was such a joy to watch that offense. I wish 
Martin. I wish Jermaine Martin just wasn't on the team because I think they run away with that. He game might not. He's be. not on the fucking team. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, funny. They might cut him. They might Yo, cut him. I do. That's funny though. You we're talking about how the running back is the reason they did not run away with the game. Exactly. Uh, so it's 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 depressing. It's uh it, that that part is depressing. But the defenses have been amazing this year or the defense have been amazing up to this point, and to finally see the offenses take off, we're really right. kind of getting to see Huge everything step. this league has to offer. So, uh, who, who was it that dropped the people's elbow this week? It was one of the running backs. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Uh, it was one of the celebrations for a touchdown. I had seen something about it. Well, while well, Doug runs down his week three XFL power rankings. I got this. Go find it for us, yeah. Yeah, uh, so you might be wondering, why are there 10 numbers on your screen if there are only eight teams in the XFL? That's because there are 10 things worth ranking here. And I believe at the end of this, you will fully agree with me. Uh, let's start at number one, which is, I think, pretty obvious to most people. It should be the Houston, the Houston team. The, there are 70 different football teams in Houston. We talked about this right before the show, and I just blanked again. Uh, <laughs> I was the one who blanked last time. That's expected for me. Well, right. <laughs> it, it rubbed off on me. That's it's terrible. You Praise can't be Dennis. rubbing off on me. It's a real doozy. Praising. I know what I said. You off? No, the Houston Roughnecks are really good in pretty much every facet of the game. Right now, it's scary. I think they're number one by quite a bit, actually. Uh, number two is also 3-0, the D.C. Defenders. Pretty close, though. And they could very easily not be 3-0 right now. But I do, I do want to give them props here. Give them a number two just because they did win that game against the team I have at number three, the St. Louis Battlehawks. I really do think any of these teams in one to say four are capable of winning the XFL this year. Uh, who is number four? Of course, that is the Seattle Sea Dragons, which that disparity between, you know, going from two, three and O teams and then all the way down to a one and two team saying they can still win the XFL might be a little bit surprising unless you've seen Seattle play and they've looked great almost every time they're on the field, except for a couple of key mistakes. And early in the season, they were playing some of these other great teams. So get some of those things cleaned up. We saw it really work this week on offense, especially. So if Seattle can keep that up. Unfortunately, to make the playoffs, they're going to have to be better than D.C. and St. Louis. So it's all in front of them. It's tough. It's tough. Arlington at number five does have a little bit easier path to the playoffs. <laughs> the only team ahead of them here is Houston in the XFL South. But actually, I don't think it's like, I don't think there's enough separation here between number five and number seven or number six with San Antonio. I really do think San Antonio could beat Arlington any given week. I don't know if that's true for San Antonio and St. Louis, say. Like, there's, there kind of is a line of demarcation of the truly talented teams 
Arlington feels kind of fluky, and San Antonio feels good, but they're they're one and two. Uh, number seven, I do have Vegas. They're not doing great as far as standings go, but at least they're in every game. So that's one positive. Uh, number eight, this is not the eighth XFL team. I do think the Rock deserves placement here. Uh, congratulations to the Rock for appearing once again on the XFL Power Rankings ahead of the Orlando Guardians who have moved up a spot. They are no, no, no longer last place. Uh, they are number nine now. That is good. Good job, Orlando. You did lose, and you deserve to be last. But it is getting better. <laughs> uh, and number 10, that leaves ESPN Plus, who I couldn't just say Orlando was the worst thing in the XFL this week. There is something worse, and that is ESPN Plus streaming. So, <laughs> just the whole experience is not good. It's it's brutal. Like, just pretend to at least attempt to edit. <clears throat> or, like, give us really basic features, like playback speed and stuff would be helpful. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe make it easier to play it across devices, too. Like, when I go from my TV to my laptop or to my to my phone, like across devices. It doesn't always sync up very well, and I kind of have to restart everything and figure out where I was. Uh, plenty of features that would be very nice that just don't exist yet. At least Orlando moved the ball. The ESPN Plus could not do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have the answer. To that's, okay, go ahead. It's Brian Hill. Brian Hill did the people's elbow as promised to the rock on his touchdown run. Nice. 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 Only thing nicer would be if he were number 69, but I don't think it's a lot for running back. So even in the XFL, that is an extremely nice number. So it would fit. See the, the X doesn't mean anything anymore. I was listening to another podcast. They're like, yeah, it used to be the extreme football league. And now it's just, XFL. Another football league. Right. Speaking of which, here's the upcoming games for this weekend. Uh, holy shit. Why are we letting a West Coast team have a night game and letting them start at a reasonable time on the West Coast? Everybody else is going to suffer greatly. But before that, we have Houston playing Orlando at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then at 10 I p.m. Eastern. Don't think Houston-Orlando is going to be a good game. No. It would be great for one of them, <laughs> but not for I, us. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be a good game either, and I don't know who's going to want to stay up to watch this game either. That's so late. Yeah. People who ah, watch Pac-12 I'll, football. I'll probably watch this game. Who the fuck am I kidding? I probably will as well. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, on Sunday, yep. we have two more matchups. These are going to be the afternoon and evening uh, Sunday night football minus Carrie Underwood. Uh, Dallas, or sorry, Arlington rather, will go to St. Louis for the first time this year and get to play in the Dome. Best of luck to them. It's not, oh my God, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being the road team in this game. Yeah, what's your pick for best game of the weekend? For me, it comes down to San Antonio, Seattle, or Arlington, St. Louis. 
I th- it's going to be Seattle, San Antonio. You got two teams that are, they're both one and two. They're both jockeying for positions granted in different divisions. This game means a lot for them. And frankly, I think they match up a lot better than the Battle Hawk or than the Renegades matchup against the Battle Hawks. Yeah, our, our last the reason we're talking about this already is because the last game is uh, Vegas at DC, and that's going to be a bloodbath. Why does DC have their third home game in four weeks? It is insane how front loaded and back loaded some of these home and away schedules are. Like honestly, besides yeah. the fact that St. that St. Louis didn't have a home game the first three weeks, uh, their schedule is, I think, one of the more balanced of the two. Actually, I think, or of the league, I think. Uh, Orlando actually has the most balance. This will be their fourth game and second home game, which means they've also had two away games. So, um, good checks. Yeah, Se- Seattle's uh, gonna math. be the same. Math. Uh, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Seattle and San Antonio is just gonna be the the talent level is a lot closer there. I don't think Arlington's going to be able to keep up with St. Louis. I think that's where they're going to run into problems. And you throw in the home field advantage. It's the one I'm most excited to watch. Don't get me wrong on that. But So that's yeah. my nice thing to say about Tug. He hit the nail on the head with that question. Good job, Tug. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. I think that's that's finally that's finally everything we have for the XFL. Like, yeah. Whew. I'm yep. still confused. Good. He finally said his nice thing about you. I didn't ask a question. No, I asked a question and you nailed it. I, I'm out of here. You got to figure it out on your own time. <laughs> Doug, why don't you shout out those links for us, man? Oh, I hate both of you. I get the ending. Can somebody else read the links for once? No. No, I don't think I will. All right, guys. All the links are scrolling through the bottom below if you're watching us on YouTube uh, or on Twitch. Uh, but anywhere you're looking for us, if you're on audio, just think BET Football. Patreon.com slash BET Football. Twitter.com slash BET Football. Facebook.com slash BET Football. Instagram.com slash BET underscore football. We have our website, BETFootball.com. Our email, mailbox at BETFootball.com. YouTube.com slash big uh, slash at big dudes in the trenches. Twitch.tv slash big dudes in the trenches. And our Discord will be linked in the description below. Uh, and no, Kentucky Colonel, uh, I appreciate you, but no, I will not read those again. He just spent 5,000 channel points to get you to say them again. What? He, he did. 5,000 channel points. Pick, pick a topic. topic. <laughs> say those links again, Tug. Bring it on. Uh, I will ask my moderators to refund those 5,000 channel points. Well, I don't know how to, so <laughs> for right now, let's just... Get we'll, 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 get, we'll get you channel points back and Tug Eternal. Hey, Tug, do you know that you have something in common with the King of Hearts? What's that? He's the only king without a mustache. Nice! Congratulations, you can be the King of Hearts when we release our playing card deck that we're totally, absolutely going to do. More like King of Farts, am I right? God damn it. All right, clearly that is all the time we have the show today. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches. <laughs>